This is Pete Moore. I want to tell you about a company that is going to change the entire recruiting in the Halo sector. The company's called GamePlan. We are GamePlan.com. What they do is they connect employer brands with D1, D2, D3 athletes across the country. They power the software that allows these employers to get in front of tens of thousands of athletes. If you watch the NCAA tournament, the hustle, grit, preparation, determination, and absolute desire to win embodies every athlete out there. Now you're gonna be able to put your brand in front of those athletes, start to get them to understand after their college career, they can get into the halo sector, go work at a studio, a health club, fitness equipment company, supplements, anything related to this industry, they can now parlay those skills and bring it into the sports and fitness industry that we are going to have the best athletes become the best employees and create the best companies. And that is the future of Halo. One, two, three, Halo. We are gameplan.com. Check it out. Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I am at the summit by BFS, Boutique Fitness Solutions. We're going to change gears here a little and tell you something that you don't know about and you're going to wish you knew about before, but now you know it. So I want to welcome April Berg from Cincinnati. She's going to tell us about the Aruna Project, which stands for Bright Morning Sun. There you go. Good to see you on the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. So you were an athlete back in the day with your husband, so mm -hmm. you obviously have a winning mentality. Mm -hmm. um, so give us the, the pathway to get to where we are and maybe start off by saying what the project is so people have sure. a little bit of a, a prelude. Sure. So um, Aruna is an athleisure lifestyle brand where we um, free and employ women from sex trafficking and provide them with sustainable employment. So everything that we create, athleisure products marketed for the U.S., um, was made by the women who we've helped set free and have overcome quite awful situations. Amazing. Um, we provide sustainable employment through holistic care and all of that, so they're fully sustained. Um, and then our products are sold and marketed here in the U.S. That's great. So you were telling me right before we started that this wasn't the destination. You were doing something else, and, and you ended mm -hmm. here. So tell us about that journey. Yeah, so um, my husband and I were actually traveling for work um, for something totally different about 15 years ago. And we were traveling um, internationally to India specifically. Um, and when we were headed there, you know, we saw in a little ticker line a news channel that said 12 minors had been rescued out of a brothel. Oh. And we were like, what? And this was before a lot of awareness was happening here in the U.S. And so um, the kind of the way we're wired, you know, we try to figure things out. We found an organization that was working in one of the highest red light areas in Asia. Um, and so we decided to go in and, and this guy from an organization said, to understand it, you have to come see it. So we went into the area and were forever changed. Yeah. Um, in a two square mile area, there's over 15,000 um, sex slaves who exist in a tiny corridor, awful living situations, um, poverty stricken, you name it. And so we came back and thought we wanted to help, but we didn't know what help looked like. Right, so right. we took our whole family back and embedded in the area for a number of months. Um, and just did a lot of research, mission, vision, values of other organizations to the women themselves. What does help look like? 
And we found out very quickly that employment was a key piece that was not happening. So a woman can be freed, but the re-trafficking rates were so high, over 85%. Can I ask you a question about, you know, obviously you're in a foreign country, right? There's laws, but maybe they don't really exist or they're not practically, you know, enforced. Did you fear any kind of like, you know, retaliation for, you know, obviously somebody's profiting off of that. They probably or in some kind of organized crime syndicate. So when you went in there, obviously you want to you want to help, right? But there's it's not as clear cut as I want to make sure like these kids get right. you know vegetables and not catch them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yes. And that the key was doing a ton of research and figuring out what is happening. And it's I mean it's a systemic issue, right. um, poverty stricken area. We're not talking about the higher, higher level of security type of thing. Okay. Um, and so, you know, these organizations, these women have been in there. Um, some of them are born in the brothels, even some of the pimps and madams, and we can go down a hole. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but they were born in the area. And so you have to change a whole culture of things. And so that was when we started the solution first. So we created a, a for-profit business in Mumbai. And so kind of like figuring out, let's create the employment um, with a few women that we were able to rescue first. And so we started there and gen- and then just through, you know, the training and the, the gaining of interest. It's when you empower a woman, the way the, it's about a three time multiplier of people that we actually free. So if you free one woman, there's going to be about three more people that come with her. Yeah, so, I think that that's like the, the stats on like microfinance in, in mm-hmm. Africa, like yep, you let exactly. this woman build a business. Yes. And- it doesn't take that much money for them to, to figure out what right. to do and how to make it recurring. It's actually pretty right. incredible. Right. It really is. And so we created a, we created a, we realized we needed some step stools throughout. So we partner with aftercares and other things like that. And then we also um, provide training centers right in the heart of the red light area where our staff go in daily, create relationships with the women trauma-focused counseling, and then skill and trade development. So if it's not us they're stepping into, you know, employment with, that they have the keys to do it somewhere else. And so then once we remove her, we provide um, transitional housing. And so she's fully removed from the area. And then again, benefits, healthcare, retirement, that type of thing. And then we have designers in the U.S. So our team here, um, we obviously market the athleisure space, the bags, headbands, um, backpacks. We use sustainable materials. So we ourselves create it, design it, source all the fabrics um, to make sure that's sustainable as well. And then we create the tech patterns and everything so that when our production unit gets the materials, they know how to create it. They're all creating it, you know, in a community of care. And then we receive it here in our U.S. base where we're able to free and employ women in the U.S. as well. Um, and so then we distribute it and we have, we're an e-commerce brand, so we can do it online. We do expos. We can, you know, provide solutions to a number of people, um, both customizable. We partner with marathons where we do, you know, customized bags as gotcha. well. So from a standpoint of the growth of the company, you know, if you had more marketing dollars, then you'd have a bigger business at the same time, you're kind of toggling between supply, demand, and, you know, probably managed growth. So how how do you think about that, building a business where you don't want to get ahead of yourself? uh, At the same time, there are 15,000 people Mm -hmm. in that one area Mm -hmm. that if I can employ all of them, but the business has to catch up to do that. So how how do you think about growth when you're running this type of business? 
Yes. So oftentimes I like to describe it as a backwards business model because okay, it there you very go. much is. I was off to something. I didn't know what it was called. You no, no. That's a backwards business model. Why not? I'm right? doing good for everyone. I just need to generate some revenue so I can cover all this. Yes. So, th so that's when. So we created it in such that it's kind of a flywheel model. And so it's a nonprofit and a business together so that it feeds in each other. So if right. one fails, the other one can come come up and replenish that. Okay. And so we're an international human rights organization, but then that entity owns the business, the production unit, training centers, that type of thing, so that they can function itself. So you purchase a bag, 100% of those proceeds go right back into that business so that it can do the employment wages, right. you know, that type of thing. But as far as scaling, our team has learned to do a lot, um, sure. you know, and, and trying to figure out a lot of that type of space when you're trying to do more good. And you're, you're battling with other brands, you know, you have the Lululemon, Athletic, you know, a lot of athleisure brands that do really Especially well. Especially now, because nobody exactly. needs to wear Exactly. Formal wear right. anymore. Right? I, know, I know. I'm like, it's all athleisure yeah. wear, right? <laughs> when, when you think about going into different product lines, do you sometimes say the raw material is actually in this country and we're trying to help these people? And do you kind of, is that a backwards product design strategy? No, we, we want to stay on trend with all okay. of the designs. So basically the athleisure space was created. And so you have typical typical items that have to be true. So you have all of the materials where it's like, I mean, we go to the outdoor retailer where all of the sourcing comes through. So every brand that makes tech goods and, you know, hiking and, you know, all yeah, of that type of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So all of those fabric and suppliers are there, but there's a, an, an industry standard that has to be true where it's called blue sign certified, okay. where it just means the supply chain has been checked because people are starting to realize the fast fast fashion is going out. And so we want to stay on and really talk about the person you're empowering, not just the environment, not just, you know, good materials, right. but it's like actually the person. And so that's where it's really hard to do that though, because the cost obviously, and we don't meet the minimums that some have. And so you have costs there too. And so we're really trying to scale all levels of it all at the same time. So you can, you can donate to Aruna and you know that those proceeds are going right into the efforts directly to help, you know, free the women. And then you're also purchasing the products go in directly to help, you know, build more and then build the brand and awareness. And I mean, I'd like to say that we can we can compete with the best of them, but That's great. you know, we're going to do what we can for now. Yeah. So. so when you think about the the funding for this type of business, obviously generate revenue. We don't have to talk to any investors. We don't have to raise money. Um, how have you thought about that? And what are you like legally allowed to do and not allowed to do? Yeah. And that's where, you know, that's where, um, my pay level is different. Okay. <laughs> that would be our owner, you know, and that type of thing, our CEO, um, who kind of leads the business solutions types of thing. Um, so I stay true to the kind of the customer experience is okay. kind of where I am. Um, obviously we have tons of goals and that type of thing where we, um, are looking to create kind of a mid-step for women. So it's like, I, I would say our biggest struggle is we have such when a girl comes in, um, you know, and she starts with a simple little drawstring bag or a canvas bag or that type of thing, you have to have an entry point for these girls. Right. Um, and then as their skills grow and gain, then they can get into our athleisure, you know, where our like really heavy duty backpack and our really customized um, duffel and that type of thing happens. But there needs to be a mid step. So when she's coming out of that brothel, 
you have so many things that you're, you know, she's working through. She doesn't even know how to wake up and right. how to sure. how to take care of herself, you know. And so, so we have to create that where we can have multiple solutions, and that's where we're looking at. Like, I think we could really scale um, if we have some of those engineering. And as far as legally, absolutely, that could work too. But, but knowing that um, it's it's a social enterprise, and so the idea of getting a return immediately might look a little bit different. Sure, but sure having a heart for that, I think we could really, really scale and then even expand into some other areas, if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. So when you do go to market against some of these larger athleisure businesses, do they then take the narrative of the Aruna project and kind of apply it to their membership base or their client base? Or obviously some is just direct to consumers so that are educated and they're buying from you directly. But when you think about doing a deal with you know one of these boutique fitness operators, you say, look, here's the project, here's who it, who it helps. And also, kind of like the Susan B. Komen, which got a little bit out of control because everyone, you know, used the, the pink band and sure. they were, you know, selling that in, in, in a way. How, how do you think about marketing the mission for brands to say, look, I sell this product and this is what I believe in? Or do they just believe in it and they can kind of... I'm trying to figure out... Will, will boutique fitness operators, will health club chains, will retailers say, I've got the Aruna brand because, and this is what I stand for? Or are they trying to do that like for their own good? Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know if that's the right question. Sure. I'm trying to think about, like Equinox yeah. did a deal with Cycle for Survival, which is a spin. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they said they did originally was because they wanted their employees to feel like they stood for more than just, you know, a high-end pricey sure. health club in, in sure urban markets, uh, but it wasn't necessarily for the for the members. So I just want to understand, when you talk to people at the show, you say, carry my products because not only is it good for you and it's good for us and, and all these women, but it's also something you need to educate your members are that this is how you make purchasing decisions. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I care about more than just your results. Yeah, I think it's all of that. And so, and it, it just depends on the person. So you're going to have some where they're high into empowering women. I mean, I think it, it just feeds into that. When we talk about empowering others, um, there's that's a heavy word, and, but I think the action and doing that is another word. So it's kind of like we are actually doing that. So if you're really serious about empowering people, carry our products, right. you know? But then also, not just that, but some people do have more of a heart for it and they wanna share the story, absolutely. Like, you can show your customers, your clients, your members, where your heart is, you know? And so, and then also offering them solutions so that if they can't buy amazing athleisure products to house in their studios, we can hold that for you. Got you know, it. we can take care of all the other stuff because that's what we're good at, you know? But then you can still share the story. You can share it with your members. So I think it's both. Um, and I think it just depends on the person. And so that's where I, I'd like to say that we've created it in such a way that it can tailor to whoever needs extra, you know, something to share with their members type of gotcha. thing for a cause. And look, the, the health clubs and the uh, boutique fitness operators historically have not really done a good job on e-commerce. You know, they've gone directly to mm -hmm. on-demand programs, they've gone directly to streaming live classes, and they forgot, in, in a way, you know, okay, all these women that are going to my bar classes, they all have to wear grip socks, right? Why don't mm -hmm. I sell that online yeah. instead of like stocking them in the pro shop? Why am I not providing sneakers for all these people that are on the treadmill, right? Sure. So, 
at some point they're gonna have like a robust e-commerce solution. So is that something that you could pursue and say like, here's a co-branded Shopify page or you know, a skin page? Is that some, what, what are some of the things that you envision doing in the Halo sector? Yes, absolutely. I think that's where I can see um, in this, you know, in this sector helping quite a bit because that is, I mean, we don't have the funds and, and starting small, a brick and mortar is just not feasible right. at all. And so for us, we learn the e-commerce very, very well. Um, and then providing solutions. And so our team is, that's what they're really good at, you know? And so we're on like express.com labels. We love like other brands, you know, so higher end different, different areas and, and, you know, capabilities. And so that's what I think we can offer a lot of these studios that, you know, in that world, they don't have, they don't have the manpower that, you know, they need to work with their members. They are in person. They are, right. you know, or online now. I, I can't even imagine going through that with them, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the past two years has been. But, um, and so I think that solution can be a really good partnership and a team effort that we could provide them. Are there any other groups just thinking there's a big push right now for partnerships and joint ventures and, and co-branding? Are there any other groups that are doing, have the same initiative that you have, but they don't have the for-profit side of it, where you can basically go to someone who's helping, you know, women get out of these situations and say, hey, look, I actually, you could almost be like a, like a franchisee or like a licensee mm -hmm. for that cause. I don't know if that's come up or not. Yeah, it has, you know, and we have some other things in the works where we're trying to, you know, figure out new sales channels and that type of thing where it's like ambassadors and that type, you know, where you right. can, you know, and there's both, both and, I guess, um, you know, percentages that you get for selling products and all type, you know, there's other things in the works, but um, yeah, so I do think there is some of that, but I think the difference in our brand is creating it from the beginning there's not, there's a lot of give back organizations where they might have products that they sell that goes to somebody or to, you know, they buy a woman's products from her own business and then she gets the proceeds. But we are kind of an all-in-one solution. We are the organization and then we are the business as well. And so I think that is very different. So it's 100% of all of our employees are rescued out of human trafficking. And how many employees do you have? So right now, I mean, we've we've employed over 120 some women over. We've only been in business for since 2015. Okay. Um, and so our athleisure products actually came out in 2018. So so we have been very small, you know, small start, but that's very intentional too. Currently, we have about um, 60 women, um, and we're looking at employing. We're on the trajectory to employ about three women every month. We will never employ a woman unless we can fully sustain it ongoing, if right. that makes sense. And so in our training center, we serve over 3,000 um, in the red light area specifically. And then here domestically, we also employ um, directly in Cincinnati is where we're starting. And hopefully as we grow, we can expand that. So. That's great. Are there any companies that have asked you, I want to make a purchase commitment annually? And I wanted to cover, you know, these specific people or like a certain amount of your, your overhead? Um, you know, that's inner workings. It doesn't work. I mean, if, if somebody comes and they want to say, you know, they specifically itemize it for that cause or for that reason, obviously right. we have to do that. Um, so yeah, there's different, there's different areas of engagement. And so there's some who helped us launch, you know, our new training center. And so we're expanding in other red light areas or, you know, that type of thing. 
So as you think, I'm just, I've got some ideas going through my head and like all the different nuances to this business model. You want to be at, you want to have the best athleisure product. Like that's in and of yes. itself at the same time, no one else that you're competing with thinks on the altruistic side of like, okay, who's making the product? How, how are they, how are they doing mentally? How are they doing physically? Yes. Right? Yeah. So how do you kind of wear your like winning at all costs hat, you know, with you and your husband and the, the sports side and also say, yeah, but like we've got other things that we're recovering here. Or do you, are you able to like turn a switch and say, look, I'm an athleisure company. I'm competing with Lululemon. Oh yeah, but these are my employees, right? They're not your typical mm -hmm. employees, but there's, there's a team I brought on the field and I'm here to win. Mm -hmm. How do you think about that? Yeah, it's it's conversations every day, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? And so it's funny because my, my husband, he's a visionary. And so he's kind of like, let's go after this huge scale. And I'm kind of like the logistics individual. And so I'm like, even for one, like, because it's so hard. You see the need, you, you know the need and you know the people, you know who you're trying to serve. So, so it's a, I mean, it's a conflict all the time. And so you have that. And sometimes, sometimes we win at it and sometimes we totally fail, you know, right. and then it's well, like everybody recapturing. Does, so. Right, right. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's just one of those things where we, you know, keep reminding ourselves it is, you know, and then there's the responsibility, right? So even as a as a team player, you have to realize that it's, you know, it's about these women and you have to be the voice of them. And so if we don't succeed, we know what the results are. When you think about retail channel partners, like right now everything's going through e-commerce. Mm -hmm. If you think about like a, a Dick Sporting Goods or a, I'm, I'm, like, I'm gonna lose, I'm gonna drop off pretty quickly. <laughs> Dick Sporting goes used to be Models that doesn't exist anymore. Sports Authority, are they still alive? I don't know, I haven't, I haven't seen them on the internet or anything. They haven't sent me any direct mail. You know, when you take a look at those big accounts and say, okay, I can do a, you know, a $10 million purchase order with Dick Sporting Goods and there could be an area of where they're educating people on this and they've got these, your best pro shops, right? They've got 800,000 square feet and each part of their store is almost, they're trying to create experiential and they're not really doing it. They're just kind of like make the boxes look nicer, mm -hmm. or drop some TRX straps or, you know, put a treadmill in there, chill out or walk on them. Is there an idea of, it was like walking into like the Aruna section and it's like, it could be like a little mini field trip, mm -hmm. almost like, hey, this, this, here's a different type of company and here's a different type of product and here's a different type of way of going about it. I, I would just wonder if that's something to think about on you know, big purchase orders. Yeah. And, you know, the way we kind of are wired and work, it's like, give me a contact person who's actually a buyer who can make decisions. So. All right. So we'll send you a couple like tomorrow. <laughs> a lot of time. I mean, yeah. that's that's the hardest thing, honestly. Yeah, it's yeah, like of we would love to have have the ideas. We would love to have that solution and, and even have, you know, you know, talks on what can happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I think it would go really well because people want they want their purchase to matter. Right. And that's exactly where we come in. And it's like, it does. And so one really cool feature of our bag. So on the outside, when you look at our website and everything, everything is very functional, pretty, cute. Right. You know, I guess not just pretty for the men's stuff, but you know what I mean. But on the inside of all of our products, the liners have the names of all, all oh, yeah. of the artisans that are free and employed with us. Wow, that's awesome. And so we do it very intentionally. So it's not just a cool bag, which that lures everybody in. Uh -huh. So it's like the look and feel of it, but then it's um, the human impact that you're making, that yeah. you know you're part of a freedom story. Because I think like in the coffee industry, they used to kind of 
not tell you where the right. coffee beans came from because yep. somebody would find out how much you're paying people in the, in the whole supply chain. And now a lot of these coffee shops kind of promote it on the walls. Mm -hmm. here's, where, here's where these come from. Here's mm -hmm. pictures of that location. Um, here's the communities that are built up and sustainable because of where we buy these coffee beans. Um, and then you've got like this, this sneaker industry. You know, nobody talks about where the sneakers mm -hmm. are made or who makes them or what age those kids are. Yeah. Um, so I feel like turning that inside out, which I guess you've done with the bags, you know, could be very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do, you know, and it's and it's hard because you still have, you know, large big box chains that's like, well, but you're not, I, you know, I'm not going to give a reusable bag that costs $2 when I can get it for 50 cents from the bag sure. makers somewhere. But I'm like, but you're only feeding the problem, you know, and then I think, like I had mentioned earlier, the whole fast fashion is really being highlighted right now. And so it's trying to slow everything down. Wait, so, explain that to me. So fast fashion is where it's like um, they're just cranking out um, like terrible production units in China, in, you know, other countries. India is another one. You're saying the products aren't made well or what do you mean? The products aren't made well, but the, the living conditions and the uh, work conditions gotcha. are terrible. So it's it's human trafficking in a different way, right, I right, should right. say. And so poor labor practices um, poorly like made fabrics as well, but they can, they just charge nothing because their workers don't get paid anything. Right, right, And right. so that is only feeding the problem. So we used to call them sweatshops. And so, you know, that type of thing. And so that's where we're trying to change a standard. And so there's a lot of, um, clothing factories and, and brands that are changing that and trying to talk about the sustainability and that even like the coffee beans, you know, and the poor, poor labor industry of that too. And so, they're trying to tell the stories of like, no, we're not a part of that, right, but right. it's still a work in progress. It's not, it's very slow. Understood. So, you know, at the Boutique Fitness Solutions Summit, it's skews more towards females that are, that are working out in the group exercise. Um, so you should definitely, you know, try and get as many accounts there. And a lot of them are doing, whether it's uh shirts that they give away or bags that they give away, you know, bags part of the, the pro shop. So I think this is a great area for you to focus on and hopefully this brand proliferates across country. Yeah, thank you. know, it's boutique, so. Yeah, it's in, really in closing, do you have any, uh, any, I'm sure you got many quotes, um, you know, or business lessons that you've learned or, you know, you, you've gone down an, an interesting and unique path, yeah, so. sure, what I do you too. Got? Can I tell you too? Please. <laughs> Ooh, I can, I can never, the way I am, I'm not, I'm never just one. So um, have you heard about um, the amputee runner, Jackie Hunt, recently? Yes, who's ran yes. 102 marathons. So she, after yesterday, she said, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. Mm. I thought that's really, really cool. I like that. And then my other one is by Mother Teresa. Um, Do ordinary things with extraordinary love. So that's kind of our... That's my heart. That's to see um, women have a choice and a true freedom. So. That's awesome. All right, the Aruna Project. We will have all the show notes. Pick up your bags, apparel, athleisure, and co-brand it with April Berg. Awesome. She'll fly anywhere from Cincinnati <laughs> that's right. to be in your I studio. <laughs> all right, awesome. awesome. Thank you. Good to meet you. And Me that's too. a really great cause. So awesome. thanks. thanks for devoting your life to it. Thank you.